everybody today's episode is brought to you by the raven cafe located at 142 north cortez street in historic downtown prescott arizona i love this place i eat there all the time and let me tell you why the raven cafe features a full all organic espresso bar and a wide variety of craft beers and wines their innovative menu is created with a focus on organic ingredients many of which come from local sources. So head on over there. Enjoy a relaxing and comfortable environment decorated with rotating art shows by local and regional visual artists. And on the weekends, a lineup of the best in up-and-coming local music. You don't want to miss out on the Raven Cafe. It's absolutely one of my favorite spots in town. So head on over to ravencafe.com and order online or stop by to catch a happy hour on their beautiful rooftop patio. Welcome to The Creative Convergence, an audible nexus of the creative arts. I'm your host, Candace Devine. Join me in conversation as we discuss the journey creatives take on their path to success. Hey everybody, today we have the immensely talented and big-hearted Kenneth Crouch. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Influenced by artists such as Herbie Hancock, Joseph Sawinol, Frederick Chopin, Igor Stravinsky, and Walter Hopkins, Kenneth was destined to be a pianist. The classically trained Los Angeles native broadened his musical exposure under the leadership of his grandfather, Bishop B.J. Crouch, where he embraced both gospel and jazz influences. As a sought-after musician, Kenneth has performed and recorded with, are you ready for this? Andre Crouch, B.B. King, Bob Dylan, Dr. Dre, Nancy Wilson, Kelly Clarkson, Shaka Khan, India Ari, En Vogue, George Clinton, Jill Scott, Lenny Kravitz, Lionel Richie, Rochelle Farrell, Mariah Carey, Michael Jackson, Sheila E., Taylor Hicks, Whitney Houston, Natasha and Daniel Bedingfield, Tom Petty, Tito Puente, Jonathan Butler, Eric Clapton, and Bonnie Raitt, just to name a few. Kenneth's passion for music stretches beyond the pop and R&B borders, though. For seven years, he was the musical director for Latin icon Mark Anthony. As an accomplished musical director, he has worked with some of the best talent in the industry, such as Chris Brown, Destiny's Child, Jamie Foxx, Jennifer Lopez, Angie Stone, Anthony Hamilton, Babyface, Brandy, Brian McKnight, Cheryl Lynn, Robin Thicke, Fantasia, John B., Lauren Hill, Victor Duplay, and Terrence Howard. As a Yamaha and Dorsey, Kenneth has also produced for artists such as Mariah Carey, Brandy, Barry White, Layla Hathaway, Nancy Wilson, Kenny Lattimore, Shantae Moore, DJ Quick, just to name a few. Kenneth has appeared on numerous television shows, which include The Tonight Show, The Today Show, Michael Forever, The Tribute Concert, Regis and Kelly, Saturday Night Live, The View, BET Awards, Dancing with the Stars, Mark Anthony, HBO Special, the Grammy Awards, Mad TV, and many more. You can see what I mean about this fine gentleman. He is quite accomplished and quite legendary. So if you'd like to learn more about him, please see our show notes where you can get links to his social media accounts and website. Hey, everybody. Today is the day I am so excited. I have the one, the only, the legendary, the man, the myth, 
the beyond incomparable legend and somebody who's so near and dear to my heart for so many reasons. Um, Mm. Kenneth Crouch is here with us today. And before you say hello, I just want to say that um, one of the things I love most about this man is that he so fondly sits in my heart right there with some of my best memories of playing music in Los Angeles. And that was nights at the Sofitel and not even so much at the show part, but the after part when we would all sit. That was like, that's like the best part. That's what musicians do what they do best. Like it was a community of people sitting around a piano. Kenneth is the most brilliant piano player I've ever heard. And we would play these great nights of jazz and funk and all this other stuff. And then the end of the night would come and then like the aftermath happened. (laughs) The aftermath is whatever the aftermath was. And it, it, you know, and it was good. And when I think of now, when I think of music, I think of music differently than I did before. I probably think about it. Well, I think about it in a more deliberate sense, meaning that music, dance, food, wine, all of that is not the end product. It is to have a conversation the way we're having right now. It's not like, oh my God, well, this person is dope because they wrote a record. It's like, no, I look at it. It's dope because it starts a conversation. Whether the, whether the music or art is good or bad, I think that what it does is it spawns conversations. And if we're good, decent human beings and citizens, um, it spawns conversations that kind of tilt our heads like the RCA Victor dog. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. And that's that's what art is supposed to do. It's supposed yeah. to yeah. make you critically think. It is supposed to engage a piece of your soul in a way that maybe nothing else has. And not all art's going to do that. But whatever right. does tap in right. is something worth noting. Um, all that to be said on a very bookendy, well-rounded, tied up with a bow. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thank you. And I've been listening to some of your shows. I'm like, wow, it's like Candace really has a show that sounds really good and it's like really well put together. And kudos to you for being just the badass that you are and being so smart. You're so (laughs) smart. No, no, you're so no, you're so smart. I'm so lucky to be around smart people because it makes me look kind of halfway smart. <laughs> You're a genius, Kenneth. <laughs> Let's start at the beginning with you because I am so excited actually to dive kind of into your life's journey and your process and your shifts and pivots and the things that have infiltrated into your own being. Um, because as much time as I have spent with you, we don't always get this moment. And that's so exciting sure. to me. Yeah. Yeah. Where were you born? Tell me a little bit about your your life growing up from a little tiny tot into your early formative years. Into a big tot. Okay, into a tater tot. I was born in a little village called Los Angeles, California. I was born actually at a place that is no longer there. It was called LA Hospital. Funny enough, I was born on Hope Street. Literally mm. born. That's crazy, right? Yeah, I love that. Here's another fun fact, and I just ran across it the other day. Well, a few months back. And my mother gave me this. My very first recording ever that I did was my birth. There is, no, 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 this is crazy. So I'm a thousand years old. (laughs) 
And so aren't we all, I feel like everybody's a thousand years old now. We've all aged a hundred in the last year. (laughs) Exactly. We're centurions or octogenarians or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. That's 80, but whatever. Anyway, I have this record. It's like 78 of me actually being born. So I guess, isn't that crazy? That is, that is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. So I was literally born recording. That's just like, and I and, and I think about that because it's like, you know, I videotape my kids when they were born, but I'm like, wow, 64. It's like, I have this recording of me on the 78, you know, that's not like Red Skelton or something like that, but it's, but, but it's that. Incredible. So anyway, I was, yeah, it but I mean, is. Think about, this is one of my most fascinating aspects of not, obviously not just music, but music specifically is right. that you know, the concept of a record, a recording of a moment. Ani DeFranco has a lyric that says that, you know, a record, a recording in a room of a moment and much like your birth, it's like it is a historical time capsule that your great, great, great grandchildren could access. Absolutely. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, it really is. And now more than ever, and I hope that I'm not speaking too far ahead of where you're, you're, you're nah, putting this. Okay. We can get off topic and swing back around. I'll find you again. Cool. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just really glad that I am, I am making the transition for me of being a piano player to just like say, well, not, I'm, uh, that, that sounds kind of trite. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, it's like, I have been so fortunate to work with so many people and now where I am in life, I just said, you know what? I want for people to hear my voice. I don't know like how long I'll be here. And I'm just being honest about what it is that's inside of me. And so, and I know we can get back to this, but one of the reasons when I talked to you in in, um, in Arizona was there, I'm doing EP a month. So I'm dropping an EP no. once a month. Way Kenneth Crouch exclusive info. I'm so excited. <laughs> I had yeah. no idea and that was the plan. Yeah. So I started in December and it started with, um, I, I do things kind of goofy. So like December 3rd or 4th, and I did this once before. I, I have a Christmas album I did, I did before. So December 3rd, I was in, I was in Palm Springs for the whole month. And I just said, all right, I guess I'll do a Christmas album. And it's like, all right, I got two weeks to put something together. And what I found was historically, I'm not one to share because right. I feel really weird. Cause it's like, it's playing. It's one thing and writing and production to me is so much more personal. It's such an intimate thing. It's such an it intimate is. thing. And I, you know, I think in some sense, audiences or listeners as much as they appreciate artists and how much, well, and how much beautifully that music can coast right into the soul, I don't think they realize what a vulnerable thing it they is don't. to actually they take don't. something from inside, they put don't. it down, I, and then release it to do that. That alone is a process. That's, you know, because, well, especially like when I watch, when I watch your, when I watch you, here's what I see. And I know, I know what I see because it's, it's two things that are happening simultaneously. The information is being downloaded to you. And then you're putting it out to the audience in real time. And it is a sonically 
fluid thing. And some things might be a little bit the same, but every time we do it, it's just a little different just because of just where we are physically at that time. That day, that moment, that connection, that whatever it is. Yeah. And I think that it's our job to live an eternity in a split second in every time that we're playing. So that's, so with that, I was in Palm Springs. I wound up just saying, okay, I'm going to put this thing together. And I did like, I wound up like recording a bunch of songs in my hotel. And then I'm just reaching out to people, big dogs, reaching out to people. They said, man, well, you should call this person. You should call that person. And I was blown away that somebody, people would want to work with me. Because it's like, it's one thing to play, but it's another thing to be like, okay, well, can we do like a swap and this and that and the other? And it's like, you know, I got Derek Wong. I got Daru Jones on there. I'm just like, you know what? And I just opened my mouth. And so. Yeah. Well, no, I was just going to say, you know, what's so interesting about that and, and not just to parallel. I've learned a lot with this podcast. It's amazing when you are reaching out to contemporaries and people you admire and appreciate and have worked with, but when you're reaching out from a place of authenticity and when you're reaching out from a place of, listen, this, I'm not, I'm not, it would be great if this garnishes profit, obviously, but that's not why I was moved to make it. So when you're reaching out from a place of like, this is a thing that I'm passionate about, whether it's my music or talking to other, would you be in, would you have any interest of being involved? It is shocking to me how many people gravitate toward the community of sharing the reason. Like the reason is to put out art and share yourself. Well, you know what? And I found for me that I am grateful because I'm feeling like I'm 15 again. Yeah. Meaning I'm having fun putting this stuff together. And it's like, because I, I'm not putting pressure on myself right. and, and not to get, look, I come from uh, a churchy background. So there's, there's things that, that I, I, that I, that I take that work for me. So a friend of mine was talking to me a few months ago and she's like, so she's like, Kenneth, she goes, when God created the earth at the end on the seventh day, he said, he didn't say, he said when, he, when he created the heavens and the earth, he didn't say it was magnificent. He didn't say it was awesome. He didn't say it was perfect. He said it was good. And I realized that, that comp- I, I just started crying. Yeah. Because what I realized is that, first of all, perfection is this imaginary thing that is just a burden. And you know 100%. what? 100%. Praise you for that man, one. Man, yeah. and all I can do is what I can do. And the right people who is going to touch, it's going to touch. So I figure I'm at my midlife and I just figure if I'm doing what is honestly coming out of me, the right tribe is going to hear it. And so a part of the thing that I'm kind of at right now is I'm really, I don't think I'm going to do any gigs this year. I kind of, I kind of see that. I mean, I, I, I'm, I get to see your face, so I can see right. in your eyes. I'm like, right. to me, that makes sense in a sense, in a, in a sense, yeah. that was a really redundant thing to right. say, but um, right. I get that. I get that. You're like, listen, I'm going to pour myself into the creations. I'm going right. to release them right. from the most authentic place. Right. Hopefully the people who are meant to find them and need them and want them and be a part of them 
come right. out of that word work, that tribe yeah. builds. But at the same time, it's not about showcasing, quote unquote. No, no. It's just like, you know what? This is just a part of, it's like, I've done all these great things and I've played with all of these great people. And I feel like humbly, I feel like I have something to say. And I was just talking to a friend of mine on, on the phone just a little while ago. I don't know if you know Max McBeady, really great drummer. And, I don't know if I know Max. Um, we may have crossed paths. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm just realizing that I'm just doing what is just most honestly in me. And I, by I the way, think- let me also just add, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but what no, an incredible, uh, this is another one of my driving forces because we all change as we bring other life into the world, but what an incredible way to set a tone for your children about yeah. what the values of life work are. There's the value of like, go out and make money. That's an important right. value because no sure. matter what that summons, you have yeah. to pay your bills or feed yourself right. or whatever. Right. But right. it is equally important to share the value of filling, feeding, finding. Wow, yeah. I just dropped three Fs in a, in a, yeah. <laughs> in a second. <laughs> but like taking in that concept of feeding your inner soul and your creativity and setting a life plan for fulfillment is equally as important of setting a life plan for money. Right. And you know what? Listen, my life plan right now, where I am is this. I just said, you know what? I'm going to put together this most honest body of work. And I've, I don't believe in the word genius. I absolutely do not believe in that word. I believe that what we people that we deem as geniuses are really the people who are just the most courageous. Mm. Case in point, I look at like, was Stevie Wonder Stevie? Like the Stevie that we know now, it's like he 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 amalgamated into that. So I look at like a what what is what is it that um Einstein said, I'm paraphrasing. It's like, it's like, it's not that I'm so smart. He goes, I'm just incredibly curious. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just like, you know what? I have this stuff in me. Why am I trying to hide what is naturally in me? I'm going to be very honest and put this outer space music out there. And I figure this from a business standpoint, I just said, look, if I do these 12 installations because I look at this stuff as like art installations. So I am my own MoMA. I am my own LACMA. I am my own at my own Edinburgh and like the visuals I'm doing with that. And, and I've been like writing just like, I'm just being my most honest me. Yeah, you're living and in I, your creativity. Right. And I figured that if I do that, the tribe that needs to hear me will hear me. And also looking at, okay, like just on the phone, like, okay, well, okay. So what's the social media stuff? You know, what tools do I have out there to like put this stuff and how can I experiment? And so that's where I am. And just really just being like, okay, here's the most honest stuff. And I figure that on the small end, if I do these really honest things, there'll be cool stuff that like maybe these younger cats will want to go ahead and sample and like, I have a real deliberate way about how I'm putting this stuff out. And for, for, for years, I was never a person to really be goal oriented. It's like, 
this wakes me up at night, mm-hmm. wakes, wakes me up in the morning. And I think about, okay, like I have a thing now where I look at sunrises and sunsets. I was never really that. It's like, okay, what is my contribution from sunrise to sunset right now? Mm. What is my, what is, what is that? What is my mind at? And I'm not saying that I get it right every time, but I think I'm more cognizant of that. I think there's so much profound material in everything you just said. Um, as far as, you know, there's something beautiful about getting, and I, I keep everything very general because I don't care about age or anybody's age, really. But what I do care about is when people define you by a number of your... So I always avoid age talk because of those things, not because I'm ashamed of my age or anyone else's. However, I will say this. I think there's something really beautiful about the chapters of chapters of our lives. And with some of the maturity, I'm not even going to say age, but with the maturity that comes from living right. these life experiences, which I do want to get back into your... Your foundation, because especially having this brilliant introduction of where you are now, I can't wait to talk about how you got to being this part of your life. Um, But that being said, I do think there's something really magical. Magical. I'm struggling today. (laughs) Sorry, Kenneth. You're good. You're good. I think there's something really magical about embarking into a newer chapter of your life that you're experiencing in real time, as you said. Absolutely. And finding pieces of yourself that you didn't know were important till now. Because now right. you're operating, you get up with a different sense of self. Oh my God. Right? And I feel like, right. And I feel, and it's really crazy. This might sound sort of esoteric, but even as I literally physically like look at things, like, like I feel like I'm looking at you and I'm looking at things from two sets of eyes and listening from two sets of ears all at the same time. Like, I feel like I'm awake and in a dream state at the same time. Cause it's like, I just, it's really weird. It's like, I just, I just feel things in a way that I'm giving myself permission to feel. I love that. That's always, that's always been there. And it's, and it's so big. Like, like I, I feel where we're going to be starting 2022 it's like i i feel it it's mm-hmm. like so apparent like to me palpable you can taste it i can i can absolutely i i absolutely do and i was like wow i'm already seeing 2030 i'm like wow remember the beginning of the cyber 20s 2020 and look at where we are now so i'm already seeing 10 years down the line it's like i just but it's kind of rejuvenating in a sense, right? Because it's so it fresh is. in a sense. It's so- sorry, continue. But I do want to go backwards because you're not getting yeah. out of telling me all the other stuff. Because okay. I think, well, and only because I could talk about this stuff all day long. Sure. But I sure. think, so yeah, I think understanding the different transformations we take to become these awake and inspired and in tune people that we're all striving to be. I also think there's. This thing about what just bringing up, you know, the evolution of our age and, and growth is that I'm so excited to see people with children coming into a second part of their life going, it's a new beginning. That has not happened in years past to my knowledge. Right. We, right. As a society, right. we wrote off people middle-aged plus because there's the next new thing. But we're at this point now where people are going, wait a minute, there's so much value 
in knowing that you've seen more than I've seen, you know, or that you've seen more right. than your children have seen. And I know right. that in, in times past, you know, that kind of maturity and evolution has been revered, but we've lost it probably for the last 30, 40 years. Like when you look through the 70s on, people kind of stopped paying attention to, and you're not in this category yet, but people hit 65 and you're automatically old, retired, you're a grandma, you're a whatever you are. Those folks right now, that's not the case. No. And people not. are going, holy shit, you know, and and now the people who were afraid to hit 40 are going, maybe I'm just getting to my best point. Maybe the people who are approaching 50 are going, I got news for you. 40 was fucking great, but I'm about to be even better. People who are looking at 60 are going, oh, you have no idea what I'm made of yet. Right. And that's what, you know what, like I'm 56 and I'm like, oh my God, I'm 56. I'm like, and I still feel like the- But going on 15, as right. you just said. And, and, and that's what I, and to really truth be told, I have been kind of tripping about age a little bit. I've been thinking about mortality and stuff, but I'm just like, you know what? And that's just kind of what's happening. And I don't know if I've been thinking about that a lot because of COVID and everything. I don't know. I don't know if yeah. that's a natural thing. And I'm just like, okay, what can I, what is my contribution that I can do today? Mm -hmm. What is it that I can do today to let me, to let me know that I've moved the needle forward a little bit. Totally. And, and so that's so what we, right. So here we are now. Right. Yeah. yeah. I love it. And, and the thing about it is, in 1918, we had the, like, this is, this is history repeating itself. We had the Spanish flu, and then thereafter, we had the Renaissance. I believe the Renaissance is happening right now. I agree. And, it locks, like, I even changed my, I changed my production name to 3 a.m. Renaissance because I was waking up at three in the morning and just like, I just couldn't stop writing and just throwing up all these things. And that's kind of like what happens to me. It's like, I'll get like an onslaught of just information, information. And then I kind of like, okay. All right, now I can like it'll it'll hit me like an avalanche. But I think that that's kind of like you know what 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 it is, and and so I am give. I tell myself this. I'm giving myself the courage to be courageous. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, and I, I've been like I write down stuff. I write down these quotes, and I'll see things, and I'm seeing. Like I see the music. Well, and even your energy, just even talking to you is so exciting right now. Like it's so wow. fun to see you with this kind of light into your face. Let's go back to, to growing up in LA. Let's yeah. go back. Let's find out how this brilliant man in front of me that I do think is a genius it has gotten, has become the man you are and, and living in the chapter of life that you are in right now. Growing up in LA, born on Hope Street, literally recorded as you were born, which is incredible. It's crazy. Um, it is crazy. How was how was you know being a kid? Let's say up to seven or eight, nine, ten years old. How what was your family life like? What was mm. your structure like? Were you already creative? Um. So I'm the oldest of three kids, and um, I come from a churchy background, and my uncle is really famous, you know, musician um, mm -hmm. Andre Crouch. So I came from that. Um from that background, my mother and father were together. 
uh, until my father died. Oh my God, I was what, 30? Yeah, I was 30 when he died. So, you know, so we were, you know, and, and we were like, uh, we were like the Huxtables. We were yeah. like the Cosmic A poster family. family. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, the, the families that I knew, the other black families that I knew, it's like every, it was like intact family, you know, mother and father there, father worked, mom was a housewife, dad would come home from work. We all sit around the table, eat dinner. Um, so we were static in, in that way. Yeah. Um, I did not start playing until I was six or what, about seven or so. Yeah. Funny thing, um, uh, my mother said, somebody gave my, my parents a, uh, an upright piano. They said, well, you know, you guys can like hang on to this for like forever long. My mother said, hey, do you want to take piano lessons? I'm like, okay. And kind of like the way I am now, it's like, I'll, okay, I'm going to say something politically incorrect. I was kind of slow bus, <laughs> you know, I was kind of yellow, you know, helmet slope compared to me. <laughs> and that's kind of like how I was in school. Yeah. And for the first year of piano lessons, I didn't, I didn't realize it. I'm grateful for my mother that she didn't, uh, she didn't like put like her thumb on me or anything like that. But I really wasn't catching on. Really? And then literally, yeah. And then literally, like after like about like right at a year's time, my piano teacher, Miss Lorna Myers, said to my mother. Give him another month, and if he doesn't really catch on, maybe get him art lessons or something like that. My mother never told me this. Wow. Somehow, once I got it, it clicked. I got it. Like, I got it. Like, it clicked in me. And did you have the interest for it, though? That I am curious about because. I, you are somebody that personifies exactly what I call gifted. Like if Uh I were to say, you know, oh, you know, Kenneth is a great piano player in my dialogue, I would always say he is such a gifted, talented piano player. Did you have a sense of that? Or do you think it was just because you were given the time to find that creation? You know what I mean? That's a really good question. Hmm. I looked at my brother, my brother's younger than me, and he was like like three and a half years younger than me. And like he would set up Quaker oatmeal boxes and CNSA toys and he would play drums. He, of the two of us, I'd say that he was the prodigy. Got it. He was the prodigy. Um, once I got it, I couldn't get enough of it. So initially, um, I watched my uncle and I loved what he did. Um, and I tried to kind of, I guess, imitate him in a way. Um, but then I think I was just kind of finding my way. And once I got, once it started to click, then the interest started to be more. Mm. I don't necessarily see myself as a natural I, I, you know what? I, I, I don't, I don't know. That's, I don't, yeah. I evolved into whatever it is that I'm in. Yeah. And it found you and you found it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. from that point, you start learning yeah. in your family dynamic, you get into, let's say your teenage years and you have a brother sure. who's a drummer. I am right. curious because you do have a famous person in your family right. 
and because you come from a church going background, right. was that ever, was that a positive thing that inspired you? Was it a stifling thing? Was it a boundary line that you was like, ima- you know, those imaginary boundary lines that it was what you made it? No, you know what? It's really weird. So my mother was probably the more uptight between my parents. Like, like my aunt and uncle were like on the road and they're, and you know, and, it, and, and I kind of battled with this for years because as much as I loved music, my mother would be like, well, you know, I don't want you to be out on the road because people do drugs and this, that, right. and the other. And this was what I did the best. This is what I, this is what I do the best at. And so I felt like, I felt like she gave me like mixed, mixed messages, meaning we would go to church. And by the time I was like, by the time I was around 15, 16, 17, I was, I was pretty good. You were pretty damn good. I, I, people can't see you at home. I can see you being humble, but basically I, I, you were I, I, fucking I was, great. I was, getting, I was getting pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that she would do is she would like have people over from church and then she'll be like, oh, Kenneth, come and play the piano. She'll be like, oh, you like, he likes it when you beg him to play. And that just really, I'm like, I'm not a show pony. Like I like, I like the, I like the attention and I like doing it the way that I wanted to do it. I've always kind of been, when I kind of think about it, I've always been sort of comparatively, I've kind of been a lone wolf. Mm. Like, my, oh, my, my, like, I like people. And I spend a lot of time in my head and, and just like, just trying to just figure this shit out. So I didn't like that, but I just kind of dealt with it. Um, I didn't feel like I was making a conscious decision to be a professional musician. It was just something that it just, it was just like the natural evolution of things. Yeah. I just like, okay, I just Were you ever in bands or playing in the church band or worship band or were you? Oh yeah. 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 So, um, so I call like my, my upbringing, like my early formative years, I call it my left brain, right brain experience. So it's like I studied classically and stuff like that. So I would play classical. So I played like, you know, like all the, the hand and the charity exercises and stuff like that. And, um, and I studied classically. Um, and that was cool. But when I look at it, my heart, really super wasn't super super into like the classical it was cool then i started like around junior high school i think it was i started like listening to jazz i remember like listening to like steely dan for the first time and listening to peg i was like oh my god these chords are so dope and looking at um like my my my, my junior high school band teacher mr dale had these charts and these charts were just like so beyond but I would sit and like really just like try to play this stuff and I would listen to stuff. So you're like listening to records and you're reading the chart and trying to figure out my way through yeah. this sonic schematic blueprint. Yeah. Then once I got into junior high school, once I got into high school, huh, once I got into high school, I was what, 15 years old. And there was, there was a guy named John Koyama. And John, uh, 
was this piano player who was really great. He was more of a classical piano player. Great technique, but I feel like, I feel like that's the only time that I've really been competitive against a person because that's, I don't think that's really cool to do that. That being said, from the, from the, from the, uh, from the, from the summer of 10th grade to 11th grade, I went to this place called, um, oh God, Dick Grove School of Music. And it was like this little music school where like everybody who was like the great players, they would kind of go there. And I was just listening to like all this music. And then a really great drummer by the name of Jerry Gibbs, he heard me play and he could hear where I was trying to go, but I just didn't have the language. So I was listening to people like Oscar Peterson and George Shearing and stuff like that. He's like, hey man, check this out. So then he gave me Miles and Herbie, and man, wow. that blew the roof off. Blew the roof off. McCoy Tyner, um, and like during like that whole summer, I was just sitting in front of this my record player. I was like writing like arrangements. I was just like, I was like doing this for like eight to ten hours a day. It was your thing. I just. Like, I still have binders of stuff that I've written, like, from what I was like, and I just said, okay, written when I was, like, 17 years old. Yeah. So I, I didn't, and. I was going to say, have you gone uh, back through any of those and you've been like. I'm going, you know what, yeah. like, like, I can still, I can still hear one of the tunes in my head. Yeah, yeah. Like, I can, like, I hear, I hear the. I yeah. love it. Yeah, Princess of Solitude. Yeah, yeah. that's like. Yeah, that yeah, that's like one of the. Let me see if I can. Uh, uh, can you turn on your keyboard? Oh, this yeah. is so exciting! Can you hear that? Yeah. Let me see. I adore you, Kenneth Cross. I adore you so that, much. I wrote that when I was like. 15, 16 years old. I mean. So as you're sitting here and you're a teenager and you're like just absorbing everything like a sponge and just completely being moved. And it's so fun after the conversation we started with. I mean, it really is a cyclical experience. You are really coming back to this inspired and enchanted place. Did you at that exact crossroad where you like, this is the life for me? Was it starting to dawn on you or were you just like, I'm so into this right now? Did you have vision yet I, on a on a grander? Did, I, I guess I don't even know if I have given you the right question. Um, you know what? It was just like this is me. Yeah. It wasn't like I don't even know if I even where it was like even a decision. It's just things just move that way. Yeah. Um, and that being and so, the the downside of that is that a lot of times. I don't think that I did a lot of things with purpose. Like things would be like, okay, well, okay, here's this is like this kind of this is sort of like going this way. But I will say the times that I've been like, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, it's happened. Yeah. And that is where I am now. That intention. So, and I and I and I and I, and I know we're gonna get back to it. So yeah. Part of my thing of what why I'm challenging myself to do these EPs once a month is to be like, you know what? There's going to be some stuff that will be better or whatever than, 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 than others. 
let me, let me let me do it a different way. I went to the Picasso Museum some years ago, and I got to see Picasso's work, and I felt an immediate kinship with him. I feel a kinship with him. I feel a kinship with Stravinsky. And historically, I would feel weird to say, how can I compare myself to them? But I can't. There are men who pushed, who just did what the art and shit told them to do. And so when I saw Stravinsky stuff, I said, okay, there's his, I saw like records. I said, okay, there's his hit, there's his hit, there's his hit. And then I can see the stuff in chronological order. And I just said, this is a guy just trying to get it right. Totally. That's all that That's what it any is. of us are doing. Right. Just keep writing the thing until whatever right is. I mean, but right now, this is the thing coming out. And I think ultimately your audience decides what is quote unquote right for them, you know? And for them. For, for them. them. Right. Yeah. And the thing about it is what I realized is that I'm just the conduit. It's not for me. I'm just a conduit. So whatever piece of music that comes through me and it touches you in a certain way, however it touches you, that song or that piece of art, the narrative that like, like when people say, well, I wrote this song and this song is about this and the song is about that. Well, that's, that song is about that for you. Yeah. But that song can once be it, something. Yeah. Else. Once it goes out into the public, it becomes their song about whatever their it, memory. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so, I am not responsible, nor can I manage, micromanage what your memory is going to be from the art that comes from me or somebody else. It's, it's not mine. It's just that I'm just the one lucky enough to, to have it come through me. Yeah. And then once it goes out, then onto the next or whatever. I love it. And it's so true in my, I agree with you a hundred percent on that. I think, I think that's, the exciting part of music from our standpoint sure. is that it's exciting to get to be the conduit because who knows what's next? Do you know what I mean? Who knows where our own personal inspiration comes out of and who knows yeah. what's going to be the lightning rod that comes into our head and then put something new out. And that's kind of a really exciting, it's a really honorable position in my opinion. It really is. And I think that it's really With me understanding that, I'm learning how to not take things personally mm. now. Because if God gave this to me, and if somebody, like I was in the studio, I was in the studio the other day with Omas Keith, and it was really funny. So I was playing something, and then he's like, great, but not that. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I... I could not stop laughing. Yeah. Four months ago, I would have just been like, I would have taken like, my Are ball. you kidding me oh. right now? I, I just gave you all this greatness and you don't like any of it. And now I'm crushed. Opposed yeah, to you know like, what, cool. And, and, but I realized that everything isn't for everybody. And I'm there to help to, to help to, I'm me and I'm of service. Mm -hmm. So, it's a it's a it's a it's a weird tightrope thing that we do when we go and do a session because it's like we do us within the context and, of someone else, right? Right. And so I'm like, okay, cool. And it kind of takes the pressure off because I'm like, okay, well, cool. I know a lot of music and I played a lot of different stuff, so I'm just like, okay, well, cool. All right. So when I hear that, 
all right, okay, that sounds like like Nana, 99 Left Balloons and I don't know, you know, I don't know. Just yeah. <laughs> So no, let's work but, on that. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so when he said that, I could do nothing but laugh. And it just really just helped me to realize that, you know what? We are all spectacularly average. And with knowing that, it took the pressure off. Totally. I'm just Kenneth. Totally. Now, let me ask you, when you were Kenneth 15, 16, 17, and your mom was trying to get you to entertain, and yeah. even though you loved to entertain, but maybe didn't love the way you were being brought to the table to perform, right. yeah. um, in your mind, did you ever have any, I'm going to get out of here and go do it my way? Did you have a, I'm going to go to college and learn this? Did you have a, I'm going to go call my uncle and get on the road? How did you, how did you, how were you... Um, putting together your own kind of passion in your mind for the future, if, if any. The future was happening every second. Yeah. It just, I just did it. Yeah. I didn't think about it. It's just like, okay, I do, I do music. It's yeah. like, I, I promise you, it was just like. Did you go to college? Did you want to? I went to college for about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Four. Yeah. I went to college for about five minutes. I went to LA Valley College and the only the only real class that I went with any sort of regularity was music and not even that so much. I was just like I was just like hanging out and just not really super serious. Yeah. Um and then like after the first semester, um I think I went, a buddy of mine said, hey, man, I got a gig for us. Um, we're going to go to Vegas for two months playing with the Cadillacs. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I remember that was my first time. He had a, he had a, he had a white Monte Carlo. Oh, my God. He had a white Monte Carlo. <laughs> my buddy, Osama Fifi, great bass player. We drove, and it was like nighttime. And it was like, oh, my God, Vegas and all these lights. Yeah. And we played, and we had a... Uh, a two-month residency at the Four Queens. And that's what kind of started me up. And funny thing, Osama, my friend Osama Fifi, he's the one, like, we went to church together and he used to go to Beverly Hills High School. So it was me, Osama Fifi, these guys that I would play with. I was the only guy from the non-Beverly Hills area that they fraternized with. Right. So it was me, Osama Fifi, Vadim Zilberstein on guitar, Steve Sines on drums, and this guy on rhythm guitar known as Leonard Albert Kravitz. So, so Lenny, oh yeah. So we've no known way. So the one and only time that I ditched school was to do, uh, we, I, I would, we would hang out with Lenny and play. And the one and only time that I ditched was to do a thing at, at Lenny's school. That's hilarious. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And then I want to, and then I'm, I'm fast forwarding. And then um, I was, and then he called me up like in 89. He's like, hey, man, come out to New York for like two or three weeks. And that would turn, turn into a year. That was Let Love Rule. Yeah. That small him. record that didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's crazy. Like, I was just reading this. I know we're going to go back. Yeah. He just put out a book and it's like, you know, this is Lenny's like 30 year career. I'm just like, man. I was there. Like yeah. I was there. 
Like, you know, here he is. 50 was million the gig in Vegas the first taste of you going, I'm going to do this professionally? Like, this is the uh, life. I guess so. Kind of? Yeah. Or at I least mean, you're like, now I'm making money doing it, so we might as well keep that going. Yeah, you know what? I love your nonchalantness about this, but the reality is, is your life has been exceptional. I mean, and we can get I it. I mean, so. we can get into name dropping if we need to, because that's easy with you. Yeah, I mean, but, 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 it's not, it's not, but it's like, it's so, it's kind of gauche and it's like not even necessary. Exactly. But I do want for people listening, young, young people listening that are, yeah. let's say 17, 18, 19, and they're like, man, yeah. that's all I want to do. Right. I think there's a piece in saying it just unfolded. There's a piece to that. There's like a don't have any fear. Your life will unfold the way. But at the same time, it is not though as though you idly sat by and didn't show up for opportunities and didn't get out there and put your name in the in the pot. I mean, I was, you know what? Coming from a family that had a name and humbly, I have the goods. Mm-hmm. That's I'm important. Going, That's not, there's not I, even being humble about it. That's important. Right. Like, I mean, I could, there are people who might have the same name as somebody who may not necessarily have the same accolades. And, and I, I'm just going to give an example. Mm-hmm. You look at Nancy Sinatra. She had the two big hits. His boots are made for walking. What was the other one? Bang, bang. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That, that little tune. Yeah, that little tune. And then, you have Frank Sinatra Jr., who, okay, yeah. so it's like, it. yeah, right, right. You might want to edit that out, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay because I don't even know that he would disagree with you. I mean, he wasn't—he was the band leader. He was involved, but I don't know that he would—he would probably go. Listen, there's no second Frank Sinatra, and I brought what I had to the table, and that's what I brought to the table. And you know what? And I will, and, and you know what? And I've kind of looked at like me in comparison to my uncle. Um, my uncle is absolutely world famous and world renowned. And um, I don't know if I will see that sort of, um, I don't know if I will have those kind of eyes on me. I've had eyes on me working with people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I will have those sort, of, those sort of eyes on me as Kenneth Crouch. Right. That being said, part of the reason of me doing this work that I'm doing, I'm just like saying, you know what? Let me just really give people a bit of my honesty. Of who you are, because you're a different of thing what, than your uncle. Right, of who I am. And let me put that into the time capsule of humanity and you know what? If it's good, it'll it'll be well after I take my last breath. It'll well, it'll continue on in general because you know you're putting yeah. it out now, and you have many good years of health ahead. But then it, the beauty I of really, yeah, yeah, the yeah, beauty of the consistency and the yeah. the eternalness yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? I'm so I am so absolutely. Oh my God. I'm just so, when I think about it, I am so overwhelmed with gratitude that God. Yeah. That he, that he lets me paint. Yeah. That he gives me these ears and these eyes. 
How has and, faith played a role in your evolution? Huh. Has that been a come and go? Or that's the wrong words. Has that been in uh, a like any relationship, a in and out? Has it been, you know, trivial at times and profound at times? Or has you have you consistently had a relationship? It's always been there. Ah, uh, when these when this comes out, I'm just so grateful. Yeah. And rightfully so. But it's yeah. I, I ask that too for a number of reasons because I think when when artists are finding themselves, yeah, I think it's an interesting dialogue, whatever that place is for someone, whether it is yeah. nature in the mountains, whether it's in a church, whether it's God by name or whether it's a feeling by your heart. I, I think it's always an interesting um, conversation to have with artists about the way faith of any kind plays into their artistry. The more that I play, just honestly, I remember one time I was playing with. I I I, I was lucky enough. I worked with Babyface a while back, and I played on a record. I played on "Change the World" for Eric Clapton. Mm. Oh my gosh, Kenneth Crouch! If I could change the world. Yeah. And and so yeah, everybody knows every word to that song because it's brilliant. Please continue. And I was in my studio working. This was like years after I I, I worked on that record. And I got a phone call from a guy named Simon Klein. He's like, "Hey, Kenneth Krause. I said, "Yeah." He goes, "This is Simon Klein. I'm calling on behalf of Eric Clapton, and he wants to know if you want to go on the world tour." Oh my. And I remember one time just being on stage when I was looking out and I looked at him and I looked at my hands and I looked up and I looked at the audience. I said, this is nothing but a high school pep rally. And I just played my heart and, and people would come up to me and they would say, I haven't been to church in 30 years, but when you play. Wow. That's powerful, Kenneth. I'm just my most honest me. Yeah. I'm, you know, like, I'm just spectacularly average, and I just do my best to play with honesty. And I think that when you do stuff with honesty, People can't bypass the truth. No, that is so. I, when you're when you're playing from your most authentic self, and when that's the goal, when the goal is to play music that comes from a place that makes you feel, and makes you yeah. appreciate, and makes you, you know, resonate with other humans and other life force in general. I, I think my, gravitation is what happens, right? I mean, people go, <laughs> "I felt it." And that's what's given me the courage to do what it is that I'm doing. You know what? The Bible says young men will dream dreams and older men will have visions. And I'm just like, man, I just, oh. I, I just said, I just see it. And it's not anything that I'm trying. Yeah. It's that. 
Young men will dream dreams. Older and men will have visions. have visions. And it's just stuff that I just, that I just know. It's just like 2022 and on is going to be so overwhelmingly awesome with art and food and music and dance in a way that we've never seen before. A new renaissance. I, I agree. It's it's so huge. And I am so glad that I'm putting my head in the soil so that I can grow. Oh, That's I what, love it. I love you, Kenneth. How do you, when you, you are also a father. When you sit with your children now as this accomplished musician, as somebody, because you really have, and we'll put it in your bio or whatever, you know, I'll, I'll uh, brag about you before this. Everybody will know by the time they're hearing you talk, they're going to know what a big deal you are um, if they don't already know. And I'm, I'm certain that, and we will put all your links to your new music as well. All right, everyone. Today's episode is brought to you by our wonderful public school system here in Prescott, Arizona. The Prescott Unified School District has been serving children for over 150 years. And while the community and district has grown and changed considerably since 1868, the commitment to children, families, and the community remains the same to this day. PUSD welcomes all students, including those who live outside the district boundaries, because at Prescott Unified School District, every child, every day, Everywhere matters. Proceeds from your membership and our advertisers with Raven Productions goes directly to supporting the arts programs in the PUSD. But when you look into the faces of your children right now, how do you share yourself with them as the man you are right now? What are you, what are you guys talking about at that dinner table? What are you sharing of this experience of of being in Palm Springs, of coming through Arizona, which I will talk about in just a second? But these journeys, I, you know what? I've kind of have done these things on my own, just because it's like I just felt like I just had to make this pilgrimage on my own, and I'm in a weird mental position because it's like, you know, I got divorced. So I went from us being an intact family to them living with mom and me just like being so emotionally wrecked. Mm. And I'm just now starting to get to be okay. Like she just got remarried and I'm just starting to start to be okay. And I'm just like, man, you know, it's, I, I held a lot of guilt for not being there for my kids in the same way that my father was there, but physically there. But then on the flip side, I talk to my kids and every time I see them, I hug them, I kiss them. And I know that's not enough, but I try to do things in a way that if my parents didn't do that for me, I try to do the things that I wish they would have done. And I'm, and, and I'm not saying that my parents were bad. When I look at my kids, I see that I say, man, they are so much smarter than me. I hope as well as a parent myself, I mean, I think that's the goal, which I think says a lot about you and your ex. You know, I think if you can look at your children in the face and go, wow, you really, wow. They're so, they're so smart. And they've got to be so proud of you though. You know what? I, I, I guess so. It's like, you know what? I, 
I don't even care. My biggest thing with them. I just want my kids to be proud of me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and when I see them, I just see so much like the like I feel that right now in 2021, we're so lucky to be alive right now, even in the in the midst of all the shit. Totally. So lucky to be alive. Totally. And I look at my kids and I just see how brilliant they are. And so when I get to talk to them, I feel like I feel like I'm the luckiest guy. Yeah. I feel like I feel like I learned more from them than they learned from me. Yeah. That well, I think that's the sign of a job well done. And it takes and it's such a trite thing to say it takes a village, but it's yeah. true. Right. Yeah. We, we all know this. It's, it yeah. does take aunties and uncles yeah. and friends and grandparents and yeah. school and teachers and friends. And the reality is, is there is no singular parent. There are parents, all parents yeah. do it all, but yeah. these children we raise, our communities matter. Our, our arts matter. Our love and our passions matter because they're it's watching not- and learning from all of it. And I think that it's really our responsibility. Like, I'll tell my kids, I'll text them. And I think that positive reinforcement is so necessary. And I'll just, I'll just hit my son up. I'll just be like, you know, big boy, your daddy loves you. I'm so proud of you. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll call my, my daughter Sophia. Sophia means wisdom. Mm-hmm. And Nicholas means Victor and the czar of the people. Because I really believe that names are really important. And I just tell them like how proud I am of them. I tell them how smart they are because I think especially for kids and kids of color right now, they need to know that they are adored and that they're um, cherished. And it's like, I look at them and I Amen. see they are responsible citizens of this global dumpster fire called <laughs> No. My son is being raised between my husband and I. We're we joke because we're like the United Colors of Benetton because he's half Mexican. I'm Native American, Irish, um, Hungarian Jew. He's Filipino. Like we're we're just a big old squash bucket of stuff. But right. but on the outside, I am a very much a white woman, just a generic white woman. But to right. your point, and what I'm getting to is that. I could not agree with you more. There was a meme. I can't even believe I just said this out loud, but there was a meme that I found and and it was so smart because it said, I will teach my children to adore your children because that's the point of humanity. Absolutely. And I, I can remember when we, when I first split up with their mother and we went to the, the Santa Monica pier and I don't do this all the time, but there is this lady it was a homeless lady, homeless white lady. I remember that. And she was hungry. And I just said, I said, you guys, I said, this lady's going to join us for dinner. Oh, and we were amazing. just there. And I asked her if she wanted to eat. And she said, fine. And then we just all sat down. Because I think that it's important that 
even if you got dirt under your fingernails and smell like piss and something like that, it's like at one time you were the twinkle in your mother or your father's eyes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you were know, somebody's baby. Everybody was somebody's baby. I get away. And even like every time I see a baby, I'm like, and this sounds crazy, but it's like every time I see like a newborn, I'm like, you know what? That could be the one that makes the difference. I, I really, I really do see every single time and kids like that. And so when I see like where we are right now and just think about it, it's like, I'm like, man, we're, uh, we're of a certain age, but I look at my kids who are 16 and 18 and I'm like, man, for half of their life, they've had a black president and a black vice president. That is their norm. That is huge. Isn't that amazing uh, and wonderful? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So for your kids, it's like they have a woman vice president and some black. Yeah. It's wonderful. It really, really is. And I think that those kind of things are really, really important and to let them know that that they can do anything. Well, and I think that I think what you just said is so exciting because it's honestly the most important thing politics aside. I mean, think about that for a second. Even people you disagree with, their children are being raised with a black president, a black female white vice president, Indian vice president. Absolutely. So, you know, that's why I think it's such a powerful thing, um, regardless of politics, even though politics aligns with, obviously. But, But history has forever been changed. And our youth are yeah. forever going to have a different example than anybody prior to them had. Yeah. And that's yeah. special. I am curious if you share with your children the same kind of intimacy about these journeys with the music that you're right now. Are you as transparent with them at this stage of your creation? Um, You know what? I guess I've kind of had like church and state with that in a way. Yeah. Um, that being said, I am such a crybaby goofball. <laughs> I have no, I have no problem sharing that with them. Um, I don't know if they'll realize the gravity of it right now. Yeah, but I think that they're both feeling people. And my son, like anything about Crouch Man, that you know about Crouch Man, is we can definitely we're definitely heart people and I see that in my son and I see that in my daughter and I think that I think that when they listen because I don't try to push myself on them I think that when I think that when they listen um they'll get out of it what they get out of it that's that's one thing I I probably could have done more to like I'm being more purposeful and how I do what it is that I do. And in that, um, like I, I plan on, I plan on taking another, I plan on taking another road trip and like with, with, with my son and my daughter, well, my daughter's already graduated, but my son being out of school, I said, Hey man, do you want to take a road trip? And he's like, Oh, I don't like road trips, but I think that it will be good for us to just go on the road. And it's something about when I'm on the road, it it defrags my hard drive. Yeah. I think that for him 
or my daughter to see me in that mode will help them to understand me. Yeah. In a way, but you know, my, my son said, he goes, yeah, dad, you know, because I'm like, oh, so, you know, so do you listen to him? Like, yeah, man, I really, you know, when I hear your stuff, dad, it's like, you know, I know that I'm listening to art. Mm, that's a like, huge compliment. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, you know? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. What would you say up until this point? Because it sounds, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like there's a point that somehow this new reemergence or this awakening in you, was there a a crux? Was there a pinnacle? Was there a catalyst? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Right before COVID happened, um, I know that I kind of, I think I kind of, I think I kind of morphed in and out of depression. Hmm. And I knew that I needed to get myself some help. So I called a friend of mine who was a therapist. She goes, well, Kenneth, she goes, look, by law, I can't do that. But what I can do, I can consult with you and give you like some generic stuff to do. And so she just said, just start writing. Hmm. Just write and write for 15 minutes a day. And so when I started that, I wrote for like an hour. I just wrote until I just stopped writing. And I did that. And then I got, and then, like I said, this was before COVID and, and it was crazy. I, I got a, a therapist and I was doing like um, cognitive behavioral therapy. And so that was like the beginning of that. And I can kind of, like with me kind of being to myself, I'm kind of a loner in a way. I like people and I'm, like, if I'm, like, in a weird sort of funk, I'll just kind of, like, go to myself. Right. I'm not, you know. No, you're probably more char- characteristically an introvert, which even though you're surrounded by lots of people and you can be around lots of people, your your refueling is private. Maybe maybe that might be it, you yeah. know. I look at, you know, maybe, maybe that might be it. But that being said, this was, like, the beginning of COVID, and I was getting, like, I was doing, uh, I was, I was having therapy with this guy and then uh, COVID happened. And then I was like kind of highs and lows and that sort of thing. And then in uh, just kind of thinking about things that I said that I've been wanting to do. Okay. One day I'm going to do this. And I, and I have, a, I have a saying, I said one day and someday is today. That's sort of a thing that I'd say to myself, you know, and that's worth everybody's should be saying that every day. Right. Well, you know what? <laughs> Because we all find reasons, right? We all find reasons to not do, whether it's, oh, I forgot to go get this, or I have to do this, or there's a, we all find reasons on the some days and one days. Right, exactly. Um, And then come uh, December, I just said, okay, Kenneth, you got to do something. And so I said, okay, I'm going to do this Christmas record. And with me sharing, and just like saying, like I was talking to like a couple of great musician friends of mine, say, hey, would you guys like help me out with this? Oh my God. And then, like, people, like, helping me, and then I got different cats on there, and I made it really equitable. I'm like, look, you know, I'll bring you, like, I started to see myself as, like, okay, I'm Apple, I'm Steve Jobs, and here's my IPO, and I'm giving people, I'm, 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 my, I'm my own cryptocurrency, and I'm inviting people to get down with me. And I took pressure off of me. Rather than saying, I'm making records, I'm just like, you know what? I'm doing art installation. So this this installation is this, this installation is that. And I just said, look, 
if I do enough of these, the right eyes and ears will grasp onto that. Yeah. And with me doing that, it's taking the pressure off of me because people have something to say about everything. They can be like, oh, well, your music is this, your music is that. It's like, I look at it like I'm proud of my, a friend of mine said something to me. He said, there's joy and completion. So with each thing that I get done, I am proud of myself that I saw something all the way through. Because historically, I can be kind of flaky with myself. So I just said, you know what? I'm going to knock this thing out. I'm going to do this. Okay. All right. I'm going to call this guy up. I'm going to put this thing out in this distribution. Okay. Okay. Now, this person can mix this for me. Okay. I can do this sort of deal. So I never saw myself historically as the gig. Yeah. And I realized that, and it's not a comparison thing, but I said, you know what? I am just as, I have something to say that is important. Yeah, you're just as valuable as the artist, as well as being valuable to an artist. Exactly. And so that's, and so that's where, that's where I've been. And with that, I just said, you know what? Let me put together the most honest music that I could do and not over obsessed and put the, keep the mistakes in there the quote unquote mistakes yeah. because those are the, those are like the birthmarks. Well, and again, that gets back to what is perfection? What is it? It doesn't exist. Exactly. So exactly. if, if those little blips or those things that trickled out of your fingers, it's the color, it's the character, it's the, it's the nooks and the crannies of who we are. It's wonderful. Like when you listen to like, no, I mean, I'll just be a hundred percent honest. I tune my vocals if they're, <laughs> Or right. I re-sing it. But right. the point is that you you have a, there are plenty right. of times where, where I'll turn to my engineer and I go, oh man, there's a lot of rasp on that. And he's like, Candace, that's the goods. Like that's the thing that right. comes out right. of you. Right, right, right. And I think that when, I think that if you can have people around you who can kind of help, I'll say quality control and quality control from the standpoint of being Serving to you. Lots of, yeah. Right. Like lots of Gibraltar that you can right. grab onto. Yeah. You know? Totally. Yeah. You're totally. never, you would, well, be, to my ears, I, I've never heard you play a note that I haven't loved. But, <laughs> and I've heard you play quite a bit, sir. So, <laughs> so you can't give me that, like, oh, you don't know. I've heard you play quite uh, a bit. Um, but I will say this I think that exactly what you said to have be surrounded by people who go, who have the discerning eye to go, no, Kenneth, that was a youism that's awesome versus, right. oh, that was a big old clunker that we just know you can do better. There's sure. a difference. Right. You know right. what I mean? Right. Like, right. right. There's a right. difference. And we want yeah. those youisms. We want the things that make your fingers hit that one note that someone else's fingers wouldn't have. And you know what? And that, I believe, is what it is. <sighs> It's putting our thumbprint and making it exclusively like I've always wanted to be the kind of piano player or artist that people can identify. Totally. I know exactly what you said. I didn't mean to beat you to the punch, but to me, I I know I I couldn't agree with you more because I know a, a Kenneth Crouch piano lick over, you know, other piano players that I've known. Wow. I can tell. Wow. You know. Yeah. yeah. Like, if I listen to, like, uh, like, I can listen to, like, 
what probably like one of my favorite uh, composers is like Thomas Newman. Like when I listen to him, like he sends me. And then like if I listen to like uh, uh, Bruce Hornsby, mm-hmm. Bruce just like you know, like it's like. Yeah. It's so, it's so cozy and intelligent and well-crafted and it sounds unassuming mm. and it's really expensive at the <laughs> same time. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Absolutely. I, w- I want to be one of those types of artists that is that. Well, that's, just that's, just that's to right. just to validate this the the feeling you're going for, I can tell you as a fan and as a listener and somebody who has been privileged to observe you play live, as well as hear you on recordings. To me, you are very much that player, and I would beg wow. to find an audience who would not agree with me. Um, well, so kudos I, to you, sir. If that's already you. been established, and I just say uh, keep uh, on, uh, I just uh, say keep on going. Well, May I, I ask you a, a few questions? I ask everybody. Okay. Okay. With the journey that you have taken and with this kind of eye-opening stage of life, which I think is so exciting, what is something you would tell your younger self? This is something that I read on the uh, the question. I would say something that I told somebody the other day, do what scares you. Mm. Yeah. Don't just sit idly by in a comfort box. Go That's out there not, and push yourself to the things that make you a little afraid. Don't sit there because that's not living. That's existing. Mm. I say, if, like, I could beat myself up, but I have to realize, you know what? This I'm so glad that we're doing this. I am having the courage to be courageous. So that means that, you know what? I don't. I do and don't know what I'm doing at the same time. Totally. I have complete, I have complete uh, knowledge and don't know what the fuck I'm doing all the same time. Yes. I feel like that's where the gold comes from. And I don't it mean is. money. I mean the, the enriched of, of oh, you know. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so there's so many, so, there's so many songs. There's so much wine. There's so much bourbon. There's so much art. There's so much dance that's waiting to happen. It's so like, like you can just look outside and you can write volumes. Today's the day. Forever. Yeah. And every day, today is the day. You get up and go, today's the day. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. I would tell myself, do what scares you. I love that answer. I love that answer. Thank you for that answer. What would you say has been in the past versus maybe is now, or maybe it has not changed. What is your definition of success? What does that, and I always say quote unquote success, because again, what is success? How does that resonate in your life? I feel like I'm the richest man in the world right now. Um, although my, my bank account and my car (laughs) (laughs) would say, have its own say. Here's what I can say. 
And I have been reticent in saying this because it's like I am really cognizant of how people feel. But in the midst of government coups, attempted coups trying to happen, uh, racial strife, and the coronavirus, I'm the freest I've ever been in my life. I feel like that's incredible. It is. I am the freest I've ever been in my life. And I'm learning how to beat myself up less. And that makes me rich. And that lets me know that I can do... Everything has a price. And I don't have to do certain things just because it's the status quo. And part of the thing of that is like, you know what? I think I'm going to like maybe like not do live gigs for this year because I believe and from a monetary or from a business standpoint, I think that there's so many people who are doing their best to like, okay, how can I make more money or whatever? I'm just like, you know what? Let me just get good. Let me get good. Let me work on these 10,000 hours that I have to work on right now. And let me work on getting my let me work on, on, on being better each day. And I don't know if it's about the journey. It's not, it's Always. not, you know, it's about the journey. So with that, I'm pushing through. And so that's what I believe is really, really important to me right now. Yeah. That is your success is staying, yeah. staying in yeah. the present and, and being committed to the journey. Yeah. Yeah. It, the fact that I can decide like, I'm literally like the, the the idea I have is to like maybe like drive across America during this during this time, and I'm like, you know what? I'm on tour. I am, you know, I'm doing the biggest tour of my life, and it's me. I love that. And love that. and the idea is from a from just like how it looks. It's like maybe I just set up like. I have a dream car that I want to do and I want to do it outside the back of this dream car that I have and partnering up with them. They don't know that I'm partnering up with them. In my wildest dream, I have the Tesla Model X. I have the wings of the door up and I'm <laughs> yeah. playing from the back of there and they see these wings up and I'm just playing live and I'm recording everything live and then I go ahead and I chop that up and it's like, you know, I, I do this thing and it's like just being eco-friendly and being out in the middle of nowhere and just setting up and just doing these, these, these like pop-ups in the middle of nowhere. That's what a successful tour looks like to me. I love it. I, um, we had talked a little briefly before we got on air, but I, you were recently in Zion, which is your latest in art installment. So yes. the album or the EP is not live from, what is the ti official title? It's, of it? called, it's called Majestic, Majestic Sounds uh, On From Zion. Yeah. And I was saying and, to you, which I still feel, I'm so bummed that you were in my own backyard and I didn't get to see you, but at the same time, it wasn't meant to be. And that's the right. beautiful thing because I know right. you were in a place that you mentally were creating what is yeah. now epic and right. needs to be bought by everybody listening. Um, but at the same time, you know, I had to go through my own little things and 
But sure. all that to be said, I am hoping that on your next jaunt to wherever you are heading, if it bypasses me on the 40 or the 10, you have a guest room waiting I, for you and a studio will, and we will write. <laughs> I will make that happen. I, would I love have it. no problem. I have no problem. Let me see, because you're not far from like Flagstaff. Right? An hour, an hour and a half. Okay. So that's like, so that's like going on the, so like when I went to Zion, so I went from Sedona and I guess that, I guess that's what North. There. Yeah. We kind of sit in a funny spot. It, we're, we're like an hour and a half to Sedona, an hour and a half to Flag. We're like two hours to the Grand Canyon. We're very central in Prescott. We're okay. an hour and a half to Phoenix. So we kind of sit in this Northern middle, like everything okay. is just an arm off of us, which is wow. why I'm now convincing everybody I love to make a stop off in my city. Oh, <laughs> you know what? Because part of part of the thing that I'm looking to do is, I think that um, I'm kind of thinking about going to New Mexico. So I know that that's I got to go through Arizona in order to get through Mexico. So maybe well, we'll figure it out. You just call me yeah, and yeah. we'll and we'll map it out and yeah, see yeah. if it's possible. Yeah. And yeah. if not, come 2023, I would love to have you come play a show here, and I'll make sure everybody and their brother knows. 2023. Yeah. Well, that's, or 2022, whatever the next, beyond the year of what you're taking to yourself. Yeah. So you maybe 2022 ish. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. 2022 sounds, sounds good. And um, I am pushing myself to do more on what I'm doing. Meaning, like, I, like these records I have, these are solo piano records. Um, and I'm really looking to be like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm going to show like, other it's not going to be just a bunch of piano records like really like well-crafted sort of things and so um i got news for you though uh, i may coax you and slim gamble and maybe a mindy a bear i don't know i'm gonna put together some superpowers and and maybe it's like a half set of kenneth crouch a half set of slim gamble maybe a a half set of you know your your friend candace has got some tricks up her sleeves you know what? Hey, the musical <laughs> tell us what it what it what it's supposed to be. Yeah. But yeah, you know what? It's um art is necessary. And I've been saying this to people. We are I'm grateful for our for our nurses and doctors and firefighters and stuff like that. And we are sonic first responders. That's what we are. Totally. Through triumph and tragedy, art exists. Art is necessary. Yep. And so um, I am doing my best to contribute to the necessary art column. Mm. I don't think there's anything more that could be said that's better than that. (laughs) The one thing I do want you to do is tell me where, or for our listeners, all the places they should be finding you, listening to you. So... I am on I am on all the platforms. I'm on uh, uh, Spotify, Tidal, um, YouTube, um, iTunes, and I'm thinking about I'm thinking about putting the stuff up on Bandcamp too because um, do it. Some, yeah, I'm thinking about Bandcamp because it's like I can do CDs. There's a person who said, "Man, I only listen to stuff on CDs." And I'm like, "Wow!" And so there's you know the on CDs and I'm kind of thinking about maybe doing like some vinyl too. Mm, so I'll buy one so, of those. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just like, what I'm realizing is that the world is wide open to how I put the stuff together. 
And I just want to just like, I just want the covers to look good. I want the, 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 the music to look good. Well, the music to sound good, but I just, I just want the, the, the I just yeah. want the to be good. Well, the whole thing is uh, a piece of art, right? I mean, that's the whole right? point. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I so love that's, it. So the funny thing is this last thing I did, I realized that I had some bad edits on the album. I'm like, oh my God, I'm not going to keep the stuff up there. But what I did was I found out that I could take the stuff down. And as long as I put like the same coding and some stuff back up there, I won't lose any um, playlist stuff or anything okay. like that. So it's offline right now, but it's, it's because, and I actually added one more song. So it was seven songs. Now it's eight. And so it'll be live like anytime. So I love it. I don't know. I get, so I'm thinking that by the time this airs, it'll be back in the stores. Wonderful. And I will tell you, I'll give you a, a sneak peek. The, the next EP that you'll hear was the thing that started this whole thing off. And it's called HIM, H-I-M, which stands for Healing Instrumental Music slash A Breathing Gallery. And how that came into fruition was this was like around, this was like started about a year ago. Like we've been, we're like a year into COVID. I know. <laughs> it's crazy, but it started like about a year ago. And it's just like how you and I were talking. It's like, here it is. And I would just be just painting the conversation. And I want to just like, just writing these um, kind of, kind of put, puts in mindset of like, Brian Eno ish, as far as like the, I, I like the way that, that he puts things together. I I I did like these little sort of like light improv sort of compositions, and so H I M Breathing Gallery is a is a it is the result of conversations that I've had I with love people it. and coming soon. Coming soon, I that'll be that. March 14th, March 15th, that okay. comes out. Wonderful. Yeah. So if this yeah. airs just after or right around there, people will know to go look for it. Where That'll should be- we follow you on Instagram or Facebook or anything like that? Instagram, I, it, it, pretty much everything I have now is like at I Kenneth Crouch. So Kenneth Crouch, I, I, at I Kenneth Crouch. Um, uh, Facebook, um, you can find me at I Kenneth Crouch. Um, I actually have like my web, site. So I have KennethCrouch.com and iKennethCrouch.com, but everything is everything is iKennethCrouch. Okay. So I'm building I'm building my my I'm building my 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 uh my online empire one <laughs> one 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 bit and bite at the time. I love it. Well I think this is a perfect place for me to let you get back to your very busy and inspirational life. Um <laughs> but I do want to end it on this because this has been one of my most favorite heartstrings to you is that when we used to be together and hang out or if we were playing on the same night or anything like that, you shared with me once many, many years ago, one of your favorite Disney songs was When You Wish Upon a Star. Oh my God. And one of my favorite moments of any night we were ever in a room together was usually at the very end of the night and you would play that for me and I could sing. Um, And I just want to leave you with Kenneth Crouch, When You Wish Upon a Star. Wow. You want me to play that a little bit for you? Sure. Take us out on some When You Wish Upon a Star. Yes. Mm. 
A blessing to us all, sir. Thank you so much. I love I've seeing your face. I've had a ball. Thank you for having me. Thank you for your your hospitality. Thank you for just thank you for your smart questions and just making me think about things I hadn't thought about in a long time. And I am so grateful. So bless you. Next Goodbye. time, I hope you're in my house and we do this again all night with some wine. Perfect. <laughs> okay. I'm down. You go have a beautiful day, sir. Thank you for being my guest. You too. Be good. Take care. Okay. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Peregrine Book Company, located at 219 North Cortez Street in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. This beautiful boutique bookstore is in need of your business and support like all small businesses through this challenging time. Please head over to peregrinebookcompany.com to browse and purchase books online. While you're on their website, sign up for their weekly newsletter so you can get updates on their reopening plans. If the book says on our shelves now, you can actually pick it up the next business day or you can call 928 928- 445-9000 and a bookseller will help you. Remember, peregrinebookcompany.com or 928-445-9000. Thank you for listening to The Creative Convergence. Coming to you from Raven Sound Studio in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. Are you a professional in the arts and would like to share your story with us? Or a company that would like to advertise with us? Shoot us an email at contact at ravenproductionsmedia.com Help support the arts by becoming a Raven Productions member. Get your perk card and be the first to know about all of our upcoming promotions, events, and online programming. Your membership will directly support the arts programs in our schools. Sign up today at ravenproductionsmedia.com. Until next time, be safe and enjoy the journey.